Good people of the interweb, I'm Dave Rubin. It is October 16th, 2020. It's Friday, October 16th, 2020. And I normally don't do direct message shows on Friday. We've been doing the direct message Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But Joe Biden and Donald Trump did town halls last night and I felt that it was important that I get up, put on a shirt and dissect the town halls with you this morning. Uh, they were supposed to do a debate last night. Remember, that was originally the plan that these two old men were going to do a debate after the last debate, which was pretty much a disaster on all fronts. Then Trump got COVID. He got cured from COVID. They said they can't do a debate. It doesn't even really make any sense because they obviously still could have been standing there. They could have had a glass shield and bulletproof glass in between them. They could have, you know, just been 80 feet apart. I mean, just any sort of ridiculous thing whatsoever. They were going to do it digitally like over Zoom, but then Trump actually didn't want to do that, which I think was probably a decent choice to not want to do it on Zoom because you just don't know what Biden is looking at either on a teleprompter or, or with the IFB in the ear or the rest of it. Not to say that Trump couldn't do the exact same things, um, but they felt that that wasn't the right way to do it. So then they just didn't have a debate. And instead, they both had town halls, uh, except one of them wasn't really a town hall. So Donald Trump was on NBC and he was uh, moderated by Savannah Guthrie, who, who obviously is just a Democrat. She's obviously a Democrat. I don't think anyone is really thinking she's not a Democrat, but she's a journalist, I suppose. And uh, they did a town hall, except it was just her asking questions. There were a couple other people there, but it wasn't really a town hall. I mean, when we think of a town hall, you think of a politician going out there and there are people and you're going to take questions and you're going to engage and interact and the rest of it. They called it a town hall, but in essence, it was not a town hall. It was just a grilling by Savannah Guthrie. That was on NBC. And then over on ABC at the exact same time, they had Joe Biden with George Stephanopoulos, who's the head of the ABC news operation over there and hosts their Sunday night show. And uh, it's important to remember that George Stephanopoulos, the supposedly, you know, uh, bipartisan or nonpartisan host of this thing, moderator of this thing, uh, that he worked in the Clinton White House. He was Bill Clinton's communications director. And then after that, I want to get it right, he was the senior advisor for policy and strategy for the Bill Clinton White House. So do you think he's a Democrat or a Republican? Which would you think there if he worked and was advising Bill Clinton, the Democratic president, on policy? But now we're supposed to pretend that he's nonpartisan too. And by the way, I'm not even saying that anyone is truly nonpartisan. If, if you exist in the world, in the political world, and you, you purport to be totally nonpartisan. I have no opinions or thoughts on anything. Well, then you're probably in the wrong business, right? Can I, I can tell you that there's, there are thoughts that I have and, and feelings that I have and conclusions that I've come to that sometimes uh, align, well, these days more often with right-leaning things, but some of the things that I believe are thought of as left-leaning things. And that's sort of a whole separate discussion we could have about sort of the nonsensicalness of left and right these days because everything is sort of out of control. But I think it's worth noting that George Stephanopoulos, is, who's basically just a Democrat, was the one doing the softball stuff with, with Joe Biden, and Trump had a very uh, contentious non-town hall with Savannah Guthrie. So let's go to some videotape of what happened last night. Let's start with Joe Biden. He was asked a question about transgender children. Um, I'm the proud mom of two girls eight and ten. 
My youngest daughter is transgender. The Trump administration has attacked the rights of transgender people, banning them from military service, um, weakening non-discrimination protections, and even removing the word transgender from some government websites. How will you, as president, reverse this dangerous and discriminatory agenda and ensure that the lives and rights of LGBTQ people are protected under U.S. law? I will flat out just change the law. Every, eliminate those executive orders, number one. You may recall, I'm the guy who said, uh, I was raised by a man who, uh, I remember I was being dropped off. My, my, my dad was a high school educated, well-read man who uh, was a really decent guy. And I was being dropped off to get, get an application in the center of our city, Wilmington, Delaware, the corporate capital of the world at the time. And these two men, I'm getting out to get a, an application to be a lifeguard in the African-American community because there was a big swimming pool complex. And, uh, and these two men, well-dressed, leaned up and hugged one another and kissed one another. And I'm getting out of the car at the light, and I turn to my dad. My dad looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. The idea that an 8-year-old child or a 10-year-old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. And what's happening is too many transgender women of color are being murdered. They're being murdered. I mean, I think it's up to now 17. Don't hold me to that number, but it's, 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 it's higher now. Yeah. And that's just this year. And so I promise you, there is no reason to suggest that there should be any right denied your daughter or daughters, whichever, one or two, one, one yeah. your daughter, that your other daughter has a right to be and do. None, zero. And by the way, my son, Bo, passed away, was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. He was the guy who got the first transgender law passed in the state of Delaware and uh, because of a young man who became a woman uh, who uh, worked for him in the attorney general's office. Lordy, lordy, there's a lot to talk about there. Okay, so first off, apparently something like 60, 70 roughly years ago, Joe Biden's father told him it's cool to see two men kissing. I mean, that just sounds completely made up. I suppose it's nice if it did actually happen, but it just sounds like just like a made up politician story. But let's just pretend for a second, before we get to the trans stuff, that Joe was in Willington, the corporate, Wilmington, the corporate capital of the world, and you know, he sees two men kissing and his dad says it's wonderful and love is love and you know, the whole thing. And okay, great, right? I know every one of you watching this, you don't care about gay people and guess what? Gay people are gonna kiss every now and again. It's one of the things that comes with being gay and straight people kiss and all right, so be it. Um, but if Biden's dad was so down with the gays back then and, and that was instilled in Biden, literally it had to be 70 years ago, right? The guy's 77, so he's about seven years old. So about 70 years ago, Biden was totally cool with the gays, except Joe Biden was not for gay marriage even the first time around in the Obama presidency. And there are many, many videos of him in the Senate doing the Defense of Marriage Act, defending the Defense of Marriage Act and talking about marriage between one man and a woman. So apparently he was so cool with it and his dad was really ahead of his time and they're down with men kissing. 
but apparently that didn't make it to his public policy about whether gay people should be in equal relationships. So that's just a little bit about the hypocrisy there. Uh, on the stuff about the, the transgender stuff, I mean, look, partly what's happened here, and, and I've had many guests on the show from Deborah So and Douglas Murray and Gad Sad and Peter Bogosian, many of my guests have been discussing this, that we've somehow made the trans issue sort of supersede every other issue. And I know that, and I think you know, that most gay people just wanted equality under the law, right? Just we want equality to be in the same equal marriage as straight people so we can live the same boring, simple, decent lives as everybody else. The, the trans issue seems to have become something else. But Biden said some strange things there. Uh, he said that uh, if the eight-year-old decides to become transgender. Now, I, I thought that if Lady Gaga has taught us nothing, it's that you were born this way. So Biden saying you decide that an eight-year-old can make some sort of conscious decision to be transgender, that just seems odd in itself. It seems particularly odd because let's not forget, guys, it was only two days ago that during the Amy Coney Barrett hearings when she used the, the phrase sexual preference, which everyone has always used forever, related to sexuality, and suddenly we were told it was offensive, and then, I kid you not, this is not a joke, please Google it, Merriam-Webster Dictionary literally two days ago changed the definition of the word preference to call it offensive in the dictionary, even though it had never been thought of as offensive before in the context of sexual preference. But so, okay, so sexual preference is now offensive, but you can also decide to become trans. Now, I get it, this is a little bit of linguistic nonsense, but it also goes to show that Biden doesn't really know what he's talking about, and I'm not even making, that's not a joke about Biden's cognitive ability. I think most people related to this don't know what's going on or know how to use language properly or anything else. But he said if, if they decided to be trans or if the kids said it would make my life a lot easier, what are you talking about? What, what eight-year-olds walking around going, okay, I'm gonna be trans and because I'm, it's gonna be a lot easier. I mean, if anything, that, that shows a complete lack of sympathy for young trans people. But the, the bigger issue here with the trans thing is that it's being pushed on us as if it's something that should have something to do with the president's decision. And I just wanna be very, very clear on one thing if it seems that I'm being cold or callous to trans people. I want trans people to live with the exact same dignity under the exact same laws as everybody else without question, without exception. And by the way, there's a video that I'm sure many of you have seen uh, where I went to University of New Hampshire a couple years ago and there were hundreds of protesters and they were screaming that I'm a homophobe and a Nazi and you know the usual nonsense. And there's a woman screaming at me that I hate trans people and all this stuff. And it turns out that she was trans and I kept saying, well, I hope you have someone that you love in your life and I want you to be treated with the same dignity and respect as everyone else and the same exact laws should apply to you and I would never want you to be discriminated against, but she's still calling me a Nazi and a bigot and a transphobe. It turns out that the woman was a gender studies professor at University of New Hampshire who was trying to silence a speaker and calling a speaker a Nazi as I'm telling her, yes, you should be treated equally. So the, the, as you guys know, the radical movement behind all of this is much worse than the idea of trans people, which, which if someone is trans, if someone feels that they were born in a body that does not match their, their actual gender and they choose to live a life um, as the other gender, I am completely fine with that. It's their choice. It's their choice in life, right? Um, but so it's just, it's just silly language and nonsensical stuff. Uh, let's move on to, we'll do one more on Biden before we get to Trump, uh, because this has been a big one lately, whether Biden's gonna pack the courts. So let's 
Take a look. Here's what you said exactly one year ago tonight at a Democratic debate. You said, I would not get into court packing. I would not pack the court. That's not what you're saying now. Is the nomination of Judge Barrett reason enough to rethink your position? What is the nomination of what I wanted to do, George, you know, if I had answered the question directly, then all the focus would be on what's Biden going to do if he wins instead of on is it appropriate what is going on now? And it should stay, this is the thing that the president loves to do, always take our eye off the ball, what's at stake. One of the things Pete has suggested is, and there's a number of constitutional scholars have suggested as well, that there are at least four or five options that are available to determine whether or not you can change the way in which the court lifetime appointment takes place, consistent, arguably, with the Constitution. I have not been a fan of pack, uh, court packing because I think it just generates what will happen. Every Whoever wins, it just keeps moving in a way that is inconsistent with what is going to be manageable. So you're still not a fan? Well, I'm not a fan. I don't say uh, it depends on how this turns out. Not how he wins, but how it's handled. How it's handled. But there's a number of things that are going to be coming up, and there's going to be a lot of discussion about other alternatives Wait, as well. What does that mean, how it's handled? How will that determine well, for, 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 the for example, there's actually real live debate on the floor if people are really going to be able to have a time to go through this. You know, I don't know anybody who's gone on the floor and just, and you know, that's been a controversial justice in terms of making fundamentally altering the, the, the makeup of the court that's gone through in a day kind of thing. I mean, it depends on how much they rush this. And you think about it, George. Here you got a lot of people not being able to pay their mortgage, not being able to put food in the table, not being able to keep their business open, not being able to do anything to deal with what's going on in terms of the economy as a consequence of COVID. And they have no time to deal with that, but they have time to rush this through. Well, right now, it looks like they're going to have a vote around Halloween. So if they vote on it before the election... Day. If they vote out before the election, you are open to expanding the court? I'm open to considering what happens from that point on. You know, you said so many times during the campaign, all through the course of your career, it's important to level with It the is, American but George, if I, if I say, no matter what answer I gave you, if I say it, that's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. But don't voters have a right to know where you they stand? They do have a right to know where they stand, and they'll have a right to know where I stand before they vote. So you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day? Yes, depending on how they handle this. All right, it ends up being about a six-minute answer that we're just showing you a short clip of. Uh, but in case you're not clear, yes, they will be packing the courts. Biden, this idea really that you can't say what you're going to do until you're voted in is actually quite anti-democratic, actually, because you vote for candidates because they, they're supposed to promise you things. Now, you... Maybe you shouldn't get all the stuff that you want from politicians. Maybe that would be a good idea and we should give these people less power over our lives in general. I'd be for that. Um, but he obviously will pack the courts. And, and by the way, this is not something that I think is being driven by Joe Biden specifically. This is clearly, like so much of the rest of this, this is driven by the crazed progressives. They want to change every norm. They would gladly pack the courts. By the way, there, there seems to be this misnomer out there that Republicans who use their constitutional rights to, uh, to put Supreme Court justices in, to give judges jobs when there are vacancies, that that's packing the court. No, that's actually what you're supposed to do. That's not packing the court. Packing the court is when you expand the court, right? When you expand the court, that's changing the whole game. And they're telling us, the Democrats are telling us, we want to change the court. We want to get rid of the Electoral College. We want to do things that are fundamentally different than how things have always been done. 
And the reason Biden won't say, no, I won't do it, even though I don't think he wants to do it, because I actually do think Biden cares about the Constitution, um, the reason he won't say it is he doesn't want to alienate the base. So this is just one of those. If you're voting for Biden and you think he isn't going to pack the court, you're just, you're just wrong. I mean, you're just wrong, unfortunately. He is being, he is being led by, by elements of the party that are not in line with what I think Joe Biden, or at least Joe Biden of 20 years ago, would believe. We had three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They had three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. All right, let's move on. Uh, white supremacy, people. It's back. It never goes anywhere. Unless you've condemned white supremacy every half hour on the half hour for the last 10 months, you yourself are a white supremacist. I believe I read that in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary of White Supremacy. Uh, but Trump was asked by Savannah Guthrie about white supremacy and the QAnon conspiracy theory. Let's take a look. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? A couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white this. supremacy. No, My question to you is, You've done this to why me does and everybody. it seem like... I denounce white supremacy, okay? You did I've two days later. I've denounced white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so th this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so, like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came, I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. I denounce white supremacy. Okay. And frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't right, know what they're doing. While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that a, uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true so and that disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what you tell me doesn't necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard, but I know nothing they about it. They believe it, it is if a you'd satanic like me call to run by the deep state. Study the subject. I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa, and I know about the radical left, and I know how violent they are and how vicious they are, and I know how they are burning down cities run by Democrats, not run Republican by Republicans. Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts, and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. He may be Why right. not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. You Let me ask me you another thing. It. Let's waste a whole show. Uh, you start off with white supremacy, I denounce it. You start off with something else, let's go. Keep asking me these okay. questions. I but, do have but one let, more let me, just, let me just tell you, what I do hear about it is they are very strongly against pedophilia. And I agree with that. I mean, I do agree okay. with that. And I agree but with it But there's not a satanic uh, pedophile I have no idea. I know nothing about that. You don't know that? that? Okay. No, I don't know you that. You just and this week. do you know that. Okay, just this week. Why, you why are you asking me about Antifa? Why aren't you asking me about just, the radical you, left? Because you're Why aren't you asking Joe Biden 
questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're Antifa, here before me. No, excuse, <laughs> that's so cute. Antifa exists. They're vicious, they're violent, they kill people, and they're burning down our cities. And they happen to be radical left. Okay, we played the whole portion of that for you because I actually think that was just Trump at his best. He absolutely hit back on the white supremacy stuff. We know, and especially if you guys are watching this show, he has denounced white supremacy roughly four billion times, including right after Charlottesville, even though Savannah Guthrie and NBC News and CNN and ABC and the rest of them won't show that clip where he absolutely condemns white supremacy and the KKK and the neo-Nazis and the rest of it. So he was really laser focused. This, this was sort of the answer that he needed to give last time. And when Savannah Guthrie kept saying, you didn't condemn it that night, he repeatedly said, sure. Now it was a muddled answer and he should have, he should have answered it better. And he was saying, who should I condemn specifically? So I'm not defending that he muddled that answer and Biden was, they were all talking at the same time, okay, fine. Um, but this was, was him directly answering it. And then the QAnon stuff, she's laughing as she says it because they just want to get him talking about a QAnon conspiracy theory. And I think his, his response to it was quite good, which is, from what I hear about them, I don't know that much about them, from what I hear about them, they're against pedophilia. Can we agree that pedophilia is bad? Well, now suddenly, because everyone decides what they believe based on what Trump is against or for, well, now you're going to have a whole bunch of people, apparently, on the left that are going to be for pedophilia. Uh, the whole thing is so stupid, but the way she laughs about it, and you know you can't condemn it, it's like, how, how can I condemn a thing I don't really know about, but if the, if the idea is they're against pedophilia, then yeah, I'm against pedophilia. But just that sort of tension, that ridiculous tension, are you against white supremacy? We know the answer, and now let's talk about are you against the conspiracy theory about pedophilia? It's like, it's so drivelous and stupid. I'm not even sure drivelous is a word, but if it isn't a word, uh, I'd like to make it a word. That was just pure dribble and stupidity. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is, oh, people are going crazy about this. A lot of people were angry about this. There was a black woman behind Trump and she seemed to be in agreement with the president. 30 seconds, what would you say to them? Because I've done a great job. We had the strongest economy in the world. We closed it up. We are coming around the corner. The vaccines are coming out soon. Anyway, yes. That black woman, thumbs up, nodding with the president. And there were a lot of blue check people on Twitter, journalists who were very upset that that woman was showing emotion and agreeing. It's obviously propaganda. It's not propaganda when you have a Democrat grilling him about conspiracy theories and whether he's a white supremacist. But if a black person agrees and thumbs up with the president, we got a real problem on our hands. So it's just, it's just I just want you guys to see like the theater nature of all of this craziness. Uh, but as long as we're talking about black people, let's talk about black empowerment. Uh, this is Trump and Biden. We're gonna show you two clips. We'll show you the first one, come back, show you the second one. Uh, both of them on black empowerment. Here we go. I have done more for the African-American community than any president with the exception of Abraham Lincoln. Criminal justice reform, prison reform, historically black colleges and universities. I got them funded. They were on a year-to-year -year basis. They could have been put out of business. As soon as our country had a little bad year, they would have said, I'm sorry, we're not going to fund you. I got them 10-year funding and financing and more than they even asked for. I became very friendly with a lot of the heads. But we've done more and, of course, opportunities zones. But criminal justice reform, everybody said it could, it could not be done. President Obama and Biden never even tried to do it. They never even tried. All right. I mean, that's a pretty solid answer, right? Like when, when these people are asked questions, they usually dance around things. Trump gave a bunch of stuff there, right? 
Criminal justice reform, and it's true. Prison reform, and it's true. Funding historically black colleges, and it's true. These are real things on top of the fact that let's not forget, right before the COVID thing, when Trump gave the State of the Union address, he was talking about record low black unemployment, record low black unemployment. And the Congressional Caucus, the, Congressional, the Black Congressional Caucus, and all of the Democrats sat there, and you can watch the video, don't take my word for it, watch the video, they sat there like this. Now, I would think, <laughs> I know, call me crazy, I would think that if, if you're for black people, right, if you're four Americans who happen to be black, you might applaud when the president says they have the lowest unemployment of all time. So those were, those were solid answers that he gave there. And I think that plays well, and I've been saying it for quite some time, but I think the black vote is gonna, is gonna break tremendously uh, towards Trump this time. I'm not saying it's gonna be over 50%. I mean, usually it's something like 8%. I tweeted out about a year ago, I think it's gonna be like 30%. But even if it's 15% or 20%, that would be incredible, and I think there's a lot of evidence of that. I actually, I just had Candace Owens for dinner last night, and what she's done with Blexit and with all these people, you know, uh, Black Voices for Trump, and what Brandon Tatum's doing, and the message of Thomas Sowell that's getting out there, I think something shocking is gonna happen, because Trump is right. If you guys were so into helping black people, you guys, meaning Obama, Biden, the Democrats before, well then what did you do? Did you guys have record low black unemployment? What did you do? Obviously whatever you did didn't work. If, it, if it's all terrible right now, which is what the left is telling us, well then you guys either didn't do anything or you failed at everything. So prison reform, criminal justice reform, funding the historically black colleges, that is something. But all right, let's, uh, let's take a look and see what Biden said to basically the same question. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30. Not because they'll be voting for Trump, but because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you then is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to write to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. And the next question is, am I worthy of your vote? Can I earn your vote? And the answer is, there's two things I think that I care, and I've demonstrated I care about my whole career. One is, in addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair and make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans in a position to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. And so you look at what they, that entails. It entails everything from early education. That's why I'm supporting making sure that we entitle one schools, as you know, schools with the least tax base to be able to support their schools. I increased the funding for them from 15 to, to, uh, to uh, $45 billion. That allows every teacher in that school to make up to 60,000 bucks. And the problem now is they're leaving the schools. They're not there. We're short about a million and a half teachers, a million and a quarter teachers. Number two, every three and four and five-year-old will go to school, school, not daycare, school with all the great universities, including the one you've gone to, go to or went to, in fact, talks about in the last eight years what's happened. What happens when you let them go to school, they make up rapidly the, whatever, the, whatever, um, fail, whatever 
shortcoming they had in terms of their education prior to that. They have not heard as many words spoken, et cetera, et cetera. What happens is that the studies show that 58% will increase by 58% their chance of going all through uh, 12 years of school and going through successfully. Well, that goes on for another four minutes or so. I'm not really sure what Joe said. He increased something from 15 billion to 45 billion. Let's just say that's true. I'm not really sure what he's talking about. Did it do anything? I mean, that's the question. When he, he says the phrase criminal justice reform, but did he do anything? And the answer, this is the, this is the trouble with the entire Biden operation, is that if any of the things that he says he would do now, he did, well, then people wouldn't be in this tough situation. And if he didn't do them before, then why would you trust him to do it this time? So he says criminal justice reform, but it obviously didn't work out that well because now Trump is actually doing it. This is just true. That This is not partisan craziness. The rest of it was a meandering answer that I'm just completely confused by, and, and it went on and on and on. I just can't do that to you good people. You have things to do. I assume some of you work. I can't just play these things and have you lose half your day. Um, you know, he also said something about early education and, and whatever, and it's just like, I, I just don't know what he's saying. I, honestly, it's like, I don't know what he's saying, and it's like, man, if you knew how to fix any of these things, then why didn't you do it? And if, and if your argument is that you did do it, well, then I think a lot of people are going, well, all right, it didn't work. So I, I just think that's a, that's a tough loss and a, and a bad answer. And let's, uh, let's just do one more. And this is Biden on, uh, on policing because his answer was, was a little bizarre here. Let's throw to the videotape. We can do this. You can ban chokeholds. You can, but, you, but beyond that, you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances. De-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. There's ways you have to do more background checks in terms of whether or not the person coming in passes certain psychological tests. And the last thing I'll say, and I'm sorry, because it was really, I think, really, really important, is you have to be in a position where you are able to identify identify the things that have to change. And one of the things that has to change is so many cops get called into circumstances where somebody is mentally off, like what happened not long ago with that guy with the knife. That's why we have to provide, within police departments, psychologists and social workers to go out with the cops on those calls, those, some of those 911 calls, to de-escalate the circumstance, to deal with talking them down. But we can't, cops are kind of like school teachers. Yes, there's someone mentally off. I'm just not sure it's the person Joe thinks. Um, okay, there was a lot in that answer. This idea that he proposed, that that's what cops are doing, that they get out there ready to shoot to kill. That's just crazy, and that there isn't training that stops them from doing it. Of course that's not what they do. Cops don't get out there. This is just true. Cops are not trained to get out there and shoot to kill. They go out of their way virtually every time in often chaotic, crazy situations not to kill people. And most times they don't kill people regardless of their skin color. So this idea that we need more training to, to teach them not to kill as if they're this like mass murdering force that's occupying the streets is actually, it's offensive and just crazy. The idea also that we don't have psychological tests, he's implying that we don't have psychological tests to make sure these people are okay that become police officers. They have, they have to go through all sorts of testing. Now I will give him credit on one thing, this idea that perhaps we, because a lot of the 
incidences that police officers are called to involve mental health, right? So there's people that are on drugs, there's people with mental health problems, there are people that are potentially suicidal, all sorts of things that could you have psychologists potentially, or could you have social workers potentially alongside the cops to help de-escalate situations? Well, that seems like something that's worth exploring. Um, I think it's one of those things that probably sounds more sensible than it actually is, right? If a cop shows up somewhere and there's a mentally ill person with a knife or with a gun threatening somebody and everything else, it's like there may not be time to have someone, you know, could you, could you sit down and lay down on the couch and tell me about your mother? But I think the idea of it as a, is at least worth exploring or perhaps, perhaps some more training about mental health for police officers uh, related to the people that they're dealing with. Um, I think potentially is something there. But again, this is stuff that it's like, okay, if this is so obvious, and if this has been going on for so long that we've been training cops to get out there and, and just murder people instead of shooting them in the leg, it's like, well, where were you on all this, Joe? You've been in biz, right? You've been in the government for 47 years. So again, why didn't you do criminal justice before, reform before? Why didn't you do prison reform? Why didn't you stop the murderous cops before? Why didn't you do all those things? Why didn't you stop racism and everything else? And I think you guys all kind of know the answers to that. Anyway, people, I hope that gave you a sensible taste of what the non-debates were like last night. Hopefully there will be one more debate. It still seems a little, a little up in the air. Oh, and by the way, I should mention one other thing because the mainstream media is not really covering this, but you know, the debate was supposed to be covered by this C-SPAN guy. Originally, when they had scheduled the debate, the moderator was gonna be this, uh, this C-SPAN anchor who then claimed that his Twitter account was hacked and C-SPAN backed him up and all of these people were defending him because it was basically coming out that, you know, well, he also, I think, had interned. Did he, had he interned for Biden? I think he had interned for Biden at one point. Yada, yada, yada. It turns out that he's now been suspended because his account wasn't hacked. I mean, it's just all craziness. His, his name is Steve Scully. You guys can, can Google that story. Anyway, the adventure continued, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will be back next week with more interviews, more direct messages, more craziness before the election, and I'll see you then. Bye.